0: faith-based education with Oakwood's Care Work Scholarship program. As an eligible freshman, care can lower your educational debt about 66% and give you career-focused experience. In four years, you're going to graduate with marketable skills and then no more than $10,000 in loans, or about one-third the average students. Believe. For long. Be here. Ask your OU enrollment specialist about the care program today.
1: Good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. We are excited um, to have this service today. I can't believe that we're at the end of Camp Meeting 2020 with our theme for the whole week being Craving the Heart of God. And I'm trusting that as we are now at the conclusion of our virtual camp meeting, that each of us are very desirous of being closer to God, being like God. Uh, So that we can reflect him in this world. What the world needs today is individuals who are reflecting God. And so we are excited uh, for our service today. Boy, you're not going to want to miss it. We've had powerful preaching all week long, but today we believe God has a word to share with each and every one of us. You'll hear a little bit more about that just a little later. We are also uh, pleased and excited to have on the president of the Mid-America Union Conference, Elder, Gary Thurber, Elder Thurber, we want you to come on and just give us some words of
2: welcome. Thank you so much, Elder Bernard. It's so good to see you and to be part of this this morning, this special camp meeting Sabbath. I I won't lie to you. I wish uh, we were all at the G. Alexander Bryant Auditorium today because, frankly, I'm just going to miss hearing everyone sing in the fellowship and the worshiping together. But since the COVID virus is still afoot, I'm at least thankful we can all meet virtually this morning. Thank you for the invitation to give greetings from the Mid-American Union this morning. I've been thinking hard about what to say to the Central States Conference. If we're going to be honest, one would have to say it's been a difficult few months. First, the COVID virus hit. We've lost family and loved ones. We've been pained as we've watched them get sick and suffer. In addition, businesses have shut down, jobs have been lost, families have been left high and dry. And then of course, the the murder of George Floyd at the hands of five white officers. And then the subsequent shooting of Rayshard Brooks and all this on the heels of Brianna Taylor and Ahmad. Audrey, what a brutal reminder that it all is not well in our society and even in our church. But this is Sabbath, a God-given day of rest, and I pray healing as well. There's no other place I'd rather be than right here with you. I pray our worship today will, will be a foretaste of what it's going to be like when we all get to heaven and we can worship together with no more sin, sorrow, or pain. On behalf of the Mid-America Union, thank you for your spirit, your courage, your amazing grace during this troubling time. I have watched firsthand how you're carving out a path forward in this broken world and you've been a witness to me. I wanna thank you. And I want you to know that you are loved and and admired by your union office team. It is an honor to serve you. And, And please know as a team, We are learning and exploring new ways in which our church can respond better and come alongside each of you to fight the rampant racism that still exists today. It is my prayer in the midst of all the hatred and violence of this world, that your hearts will be filled with hope, courage, and love. Because the King of Kings, the one who is just, The one who has said that he will come and make all things right very soon is worshiping with us today. God bless and it's wonderful to be with you today. Thank you, Elder Thurber. Um, Your
1: kindness and genuineness. uh, we, We really do appreciate it. We appreciate your affirmation of what we as a people experience and go through and what we're experiencing now and what we're feeling now. Um, your kindness will not be forgotten. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us this morning for our final Sabbath celebration of virtual camp meeting 2020. It's our prayer time now, everyone. And we, we've we been praying all week that God would work miracles and God would move and Perform many wonderful blessings. And so uh, we today when we pray, as I pray, uh, I'm going to be asking God to remember all of those things. So let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer at this time. Father, which you in heaven, we're thankful that you have been with us all week long. We've been experiencing you and having a great opportunity to worship together. Uh, we wish we could all be together. Uh, as Ella Thurber pointed out, at the Alexander Bryant gymnasium where we could sing together and give each other holy hugs and all those kinds of things. But because of the outbreak of this disease, Lord, it has caused us uh, to adjust. So we're glad that we can worship this way. Lord, thank you for what you've been doing and what you will continue to do. We say thank you in advance. Today, Lord, we're asking you to remember everything that we've been pleading for throughout this week, the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, the healing of this nation of the coronavirus. We need racial healing and reconciliation. Lord, their mental health is just running rampant. Many individuals are are having mental health issues. Uh, There's depression and suicide, and all kinds of things are happening, Lord. Some are occurring because of all this isolation. Some people have been battling and struggling with quite some time. We're asking, Father, for you to comfort those who have lost loved ones, whether it be to the COVID or whether it be just through uh, other uh, means, Father. We ask that you will be a God to them and, and give them relief and help them to feel your presence very near to them, Father. We ask that you will be uh, heal families and uh, feel, uh, heal broken relationships, Lord. All of this stuff is surrounding us. All of this stuff is near us, Lord. And we're asking that you will intervene. We've been praying for this all week, and we're asking that you will intervene, Lord. We pray for the Central States Conference um, administration, Lord, all of us, administration Elder Anderson, Elder Josiah and myself, Lord, we we don't want to lead unless we have been led by you first. And so we ask that you will be with us as we make decisions and as we administrate, Lord. Be with our finances, Lord. Continue to hold up your conference so that we can continue to do a mighty powerful work for you. Lord, we also ask that you will be with the leadership of this country. Uh, we, we know, Father, that uh, there are some things that happen and things that are said and things that are tweeted that we're not happy about. And so we're asking that you will be with leadership, Father, give them wisdom, help them to make right decisions, help them not to be combative, help them to bring us together and not uh, separate us, Lord. Be with our, our, our mayors and senators and, and, and all throughout the Central States Conference, yay, all throughout this world. I'm praying in the name of Jesus, Father, that your people will see the signs of your near coming, that our hearts will be drawing closer to you as a result of all that we are experiencing, all the prophecy that's being fulfilled right before our very eyes. And when you come, I pray that as a result of having given our hearts to you, we will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter in and when we all go through those pearly gates, the time that we had to endure here on earth, we will be able to say it was worth what we've been through because of what we will inherit. Continue to be with us, is our prayer in Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this time, we're gonna have our first special music given to us by the Madison Mission Seventh-day Adventist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. I wanna thank Uh, in advance, Pastor David Lee and his team for providing this music for us throughout our camp meeting. I pray a special blessing for them. And I ask and I hope that each one of us will enjoy the musical presentation this morning. God bless you.
0: I'm wondering how many people can think of the last time they told God they love him just because he's God. For some, it may be yesterday, maybe this morning. For some, it may have been last month. Whatever it is, let's get on one accord this morning and let God know I'm loving you, God, not because of what you can do, not even because I need you to bless me for what I'm praying for, but I just want you to know I trust you. And I believe you, and I'm loving on you just because you're God. Can we lift that up to Him this morning? I love you, Jesus.
3: I love you, Jesus.
0: Come on, we're just loving on Him a little bit. I worship. I worship and adore you. And right now, I just, just tell want you
3: to tell you
0: that I love you, Lord,
3: I love you more than the car, more, more than the house.
0: Need. Love you for all that you are god let's say it again i love you jesus i
3: love you jesus lift
0: it up i worship and adore you i worship and adore you in the comfort you. of your home just let them know just want
3: to tell you
0: lord i love lord, you lord i
3: love
0: you more than more anything, than anything. Woo. Somebody else, let's lift it up to him. Pick a part and let's just sing, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Man, if you think about it, you might lose yourself worship in worship to him Because the things that we have, we know we definitely tell don't deserve. So we just tell God, him that. I love you, I love you. more than anything. Come on, let's lift this up to him just because he's been so good to us. Say it again. I love you. I love You Jesus I worship and adore you. I worship and adore you. You've been so good, God. Just Just want to to tell you. Lord, I love you. Sing. But he's just here for you, and he lets you know, hey, in spite of all of that, I still love you. Come on, let's sing it to him right here. This is my favorite part. Jesus because, because of what he did on Calvary's cross, huh? we no longer have to worry about being lost, but we have a right and a chance at eternal life. Come on, lift it up to him. Let's lift it up in one voice here. They hung him high. They stretched, they stretched him wide, and he did it willingly. His songwriter head. said he never said so a mumbling word. Love. There's no love like the love that Jesus has for us, huh? That's, That's love. love. Come on, let's say it to him again. Pick up our let's hung him high. They, him high. they, stretched, him they stretched him wide. He hung his head. I get excited when I think about these kind of things because I know I don't deserve it. I'm excited about this part of the story too. That's not how. For being good to us. Thank you for not treating us how we deserve. Come on, say, just wanna tell you. Just, just want, want to tell you. Lord, I love, Lord, you. I love you. Thank you, God. More than Thank you, God, for not treating me how I deserve. But loving me in spite of myself. Anybody's testimony? Bless your name, Jesus.
4: Amen. Amen. And amen. Happy Sabbath, everybody. That is love. And aren't you so glad that that's not how the story ends. In three days, God rose again. Aren't you thankful for all that the Lord has done for you and how he has blessed you? I don't know about you, but I am so thankful this morning. Happy Sabbath again, everyone. This is Pastor Joe from Kansas City, pastor of the Limwood Boulevard SDA Temple, and it is my responsibility to lead you in offering. I just want to um, remind you and give you a little history. You know, history recounts that on Freedom's Eve or the eve of January 1, 1868, the first watch night services took place. And if you're not familiar with what those watch night services are, it was on that night that enslaved and free African-Americans gathered in churches and private homes all around the country, awaiting the news that the Emancipation Proclamation had taken effect. At midnight, slaves in Confederate states were declared to be legally free. And Union soldiers history recounts many of whom were black, marched on the plantations and across cities in the South, reading small copies of the Emancipation of Proclamation, spreading the news of freedom in all of the Confederate states. But however, if you know your history, you know that everyone in the Confederate territory would not be immediately set free. And even though the Emancipation Proclamation was made effective in 1863, it could not be implemented in places still under Confederate control. And so, as a result, in the westernmost Confederate state of Texas, enslaved people were still not free. Until freedom came on June 19th, 1865, when some 2,000 Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas. The Army announced that more than 250,000 enslaved Black people in the state were free by executive decree. This day became known as what we celebrated yesterday, Juneteenth by the newly freed people in Texas. So the 19th day of June is really a celebration of our emancipation as blacks from slavery. And of course, you know that parties, cookouts, concerts, services are held to remember our liberation. But you know, there's another day that affords that same opportunity. That, that day is called the Sabbath and it gives us the opportunity to remember and to reflect on the liberality that one has given to us. And on this day, we don't just focus on a day, but we focus on a person and that person is God. Because God has extended liberation and freedom to his people, has he not? He has set us free from sin. He has saved us through the blood of Jesus. He has called us sons and daughters of God. He has adopted us into his family. And he has provided for our daily needs of food, shelter, and clothing. And can I tell you, we've got much to celebrate in our God today because in the pandemic of COVID-19, where over 114,000 people have died in the U.S. and over 400,000 have died in the world, here's the good news, you're still here. And where there is racial injustice that is prevalent and many have lost their lives, look at you, you're still here and where natural disasters have taken the lives of many, guess what? You're still here. And for that, you should celebrate your God. And normally when you're celebrating someone else, like a graduation, you bring a gift. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 103 and verse 2, that we are never to forget the benefits that God has given toward his people. And so our gift to God today should be the returning of our tithes and offerings, which is a sign of our faith in an unseen God and our gratitude for what he has done. And God has made us a promise that if we will return to him, he will shovel it back to us, giving us favor in the famine and giving us prosperity in the midst of this pandemic. And so today, my brothers and sisters, I have my tithe envelope as a sign of faith that God is going to do what he said that he would do. And on his day, the day that we celebrate in liberation for what he has done to set us free from the chains and the shackles of sin, I don't know about you, but I want to bring my gifts. So I want to encourage you, you at your local churches, you already know how to give. And so I want to encourage you, whether that's cash app or whether that's Adventist giving, that you would do so. But on this Sabbath, we want to give a special gift to our Central States Conference because we can't do ministry without you. Before we ask you for anything, we just wanna say a big thank you to your faithfulness in March, April, and May during this time of the pandemic. The giving has been wonderful and extraordinary. And today we're gonna call for a special offering. We're gonna put a bold request out there for our conference. We want to raise $10,000 for Central States Conference. I didn't say $10. I didn't say $100. We're going to stretch our faith today. And if God has been good to you, I want to encourage you to give a a liberal gift to the conference that provides you with wonderful pastors, great churches, and resources so that our churches can continually function. And hasn't this virtual camp meeting been such a blessing? I know that you can say that you have learned, that you have grown, and that the Lord has bless you in a mighty way. So if you say yes to that, I want to encourage you to give this morning. Here are the ways in which you can do it. You see it on your screen. You can go to central-states.org, click on how to give and um, and then go to online giving and you can give there. Also, you can download uh, Adventist, the Adventist giving app. Or you can go to AdventistGiving.org and search for the Central States Conference Church and give that way. Or you can download the Central States Conference app, click on giving, and choose the Central States Conference from the list. Or you can download Cash App, or if you already have it, go right there and put in our handle, dollar sign CSC3301. However you choose today to give, let the Holy Spirit lead you and press you. And I hope that you will give liberally to bless your conference and also your local church. I wanna pray a ble- prayer blessing over you today. And so if you have your offering, you have your hand, maybe you've already given it electronically, whatever you have, I'm gonna invite you to lift your hand now Uh, as we pray together. Father God, we want to thank you so very much for the opportunity to return to you because on this day, we celebrate the great liberation that you have given us from the shackles of sin. But Lord, also how you have blessed us with all of the temporal things that we need to supply and to stand day by day. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we return to you in faith, as we give you an offering of gratitude and generosity for all that you have done for us, for sustaining our lives, for putting food and shelter and clothing uh, over us, O God, and to us for taking care of our children and and giving us good health and taking care of our vehicles and protecting us from dangers seen and unseen and taking care of our homes, oh God, and providing us with jobs and giving us much in a time of famine and giving us prosperity, even in the midst of a pandemic. Lord, we pray that you would receive our offering. And that you would be pleased with it and you made a promise this morning that if we would give it to you you would shovel it back to us so open up the window of heaven oh god and pour back those blessings upon our homes our finances our cars our vehicles over our spouses our children god on our health on our protection oh lord on our churches Over our conference, we ask, Lord, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above whatever we could think, ask, or imagine, and we will bless your name for all that you would do. We thank you, God, for how you have come through today is our prayer in Jesus' name and for his name's sake. We say together. A man and a man. It is at this time we are going to have our introduction to our speaker brought to us by Pastor Christian Josiah, who is our vice president for administration.
5: Thank you, Pastor Eichner, and praise the Lord, everybody, for that's not how the story ends. Man, I'm going to tell you, man, for in three days he rose again. I don't know about you all out there, but I am excited today, man. I got Look, I got my towel. I'm not even preaching, but I'm already sweating. Uh, but man, it's good to be here with you in worship today, my Central States Conference family. Uh, of course, we wish we were in person, uh, but but because of this pandemic. Uh, but here's, here's what the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in his name. Come on, that he is in the midst and God is not relegated by buildings. Uh, so the buildings might be closed, but ministry and church and church, is open. Uh, I don't know how, my, how many out there to have, have been blessed by the messages that we've heard from night to night. On Sunday night, we started out with Pastor Kimberly Bojan in the central area, the pastor of the New Beginnings uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and then we went to the Great Plains with Pastor Marcus Laravel, uh from the Allen Chapel Seventh-day Adventist Church in Nebraska. Then we went on up to the Great Lakes with Pastor Jonathan Fields in Minneapolis, the epicenter uh, of, of, of the George Floyd uh, protests that have taken place and his death. Uh, then we went over to Denver uh, to Pastor Kelby McCautry, uh and the Park Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church pastor. Then we went to the Eastern Federation with Pastor Trevor Barnes uh, on Thursday night, uh, pastor of the Northside Seventh-day Adventist Church. And then uh, this weekend, last night, We went outside of our territory. We went to Potomac Conference with Pastor Lola Moore Johnston who brought that powerful word uh, of what to do when the waters are bitter. Uh, And today, oh man, I'm excited uh, because today I have the distinct uh, privilege and pleasure of introducing via interview style uh, Dr. James R. Doggett, the pastor Uh, the senior pastor of the Patmos Chapel Seventh-day Adventist Church in Orlando, Florida. So we're going all the way down to Southeastern Conference. And I just want to know, first of all, Dr. Doggett, how you doing, man? How you doing?
6: Man, man, man. I'm feeling real good. In fact, you have me lit and on fire. If I can get (laughs) some of your energy, I can run on for a long time and not get tired.
5: Oh, man, listen, man, well, you've been running a long time and many of us uh, look at you as a mentor to us, even though we may not have pastored in your presence, man. We've learned so much from you, so much from your ministry. Uh, but for those of, out there who may be wondering why I'm so excited, and I'm fastening my seatbelt right now, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a few questions, man. So, so, so our people can get to know uh, who you are. First of all, uh, tell, tell us, tell us about your call into ministry. I heard that you got a lot of preachers in your family. Uh, Like I do in mine, I try to run from that thing. Uh, But tell us a little bit about your family, man, and uh, how you were called to the ministry.
6: It's a quick story. I mean, really, I um, observed ministry from the inside for a long time. My grandfather was a minister. My grandmother was a Bible worker. My father, a minister. My uncle, a minister. My brother, a minister. My son is actually a minister now. I just always wanted to be one. That is until it was time. I got to (laughs) Oakland University, and I started clowning my freshman year, decided I wasn't going to be a minister. I was going to go ahead and be an eye doctor. Don't ask me where I got that from, but I was going to be an eye doctor. And so I I didn't even go to my classes early on, Uh, but at the end of the day, God grabbed me, pulled me back over to the theology department, and when I got there, it felt like home. I knew I was supposed to be in ministry and the rest is history. I, I've dedicated my life to it and I'm gonna keep doing it until I stop breathing.
5: Amen, amen, amen. What a testimony, uh, running in one direction and God pulling you back in a different, I'm a witness, my brother, I'm a witness, man. Uh, I could have saved money with all them business degrees, but but hey, here, here I am 20 years later, man. But listen, man, tell us a little bit about your academia. so. So so we know you are a doctor, and that's not an honorary doctorate. That's not just a made-up thing. Uh, But tell us a little bit about your your theological degrees and uh, how the Lord uh, took you into academia, uh, even to become a professor uh, at Oakwood University.
6: Yeah, I've always been very interested in learning from the very beginning. And when I got myself together at Oakwood, I went ahead and I followed a straight course and got through the theology department there and got a degree in ministerial theology in four years. And then I went out into ministry, got a call into Southwest Region. Um, while there, they told me, going back to school after your first year in the field. So I went to Andrews University and got my MDiv degree. Then I came back out and began to pastor. And a friend of mine, Dr. Emil Peeler and I were actually out talking one day and said, you know what, we need to go ahead and get our doctoral degrees. They're just some doors that are closed and some information we don't have if we don't do it. So we went to Claremont, the School of Theology at Claremont in California, and we got our Doctor of Ministries degrees. Um, And I'm glad I did, I'm glad I did because I got exposed to some information I would not have otherwise known about ministry and life in general. So it's been a wonderful trek educationally.
5: Amen, amen, amen. For, For the sake of time, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm not going to belabor you with all the places that he's pastored in, in, in California, and in Arkansas, Louisiana, uh, in Huntsville, um, in, in in Texas. Uh, now, now he's a senior pastor at the uh, Patmos Chapel Seventh Day Adventist Church in Orlando. But I, but I, I want you all to hear something. So so when I was at Andrews, uh, I remember coming down uh, and and and. Hearing about this place called Madison Mission. Uh, matter of fact, it, it got so hype up, up in Barron Springs that we actually brought uh Wayne Buckner and some of the Madison Mission family up uh, to do a concert for us up there in uh in, in, in Michigan. Can you tell us a little bit about, about how God placed this burden on you to, to, to take ministry to to another level? Even though you were there at Oakwood, you were there teaching, you know, of course, everyone understands that. That that Oakwood is like the Mecca uh, of Black Adventism, but God put something on your heart. Tell us a little bit about uh, that ministry there that you started.
6: Yeah, the short story is this, that when I came to Oakwood, I discovered that there was an army of young people that were dying to do work in an authentic way. In other words, the way they knew how to do it. Uh, The churches in the city were great churches. And they were thriving churches but they were still a quiet army of young people who had a lot to give and for whatever reason didn't feel like there was the opportunity to give all they had um and so i i I got with some of my prayer partners we prayed about it and god impressed us to start a ministry and we had in mind especially those people who are not actively involved in the churches of the city largely because of stylistic issues There was just a generation of emerging musicians and singers who knew music and interpreted it a different way. Um, I did my doctoral studies in liturgy and uh, knew a little bit about it. And so we were able to create a platform for individuals who were half in and half out, some who were considering whether they wanted to stay in this thing or not, others who felt their gifts were beginning to atrophy, dry up, and die. And we just opened it wide for young people to be able to use the gifts they had to advance the cause of Christ. It caused a lot of people a lot of fear because they didn't know where we were heading with it, but God was in it. So we were very confident that he was taking us somewhere good and it did go somewhere good. There are a lot of people today who are in the kingdom, solid active because of what God led us to start years ago.
5: Amen. 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 Thank you so much man for that vision. Uh and courage. It takes courage to launch out into the deep. Um and we 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 are, we thank you for that. Tell us a little bit before we close out this interview time. Uh I'll let you go and get ready for the word. Uh tell us a little bit about the man. Uh, are you are you married? Do you have kids? Uh we see a nice little picture behind you. Uh powerful picture. So tell us a little bit about your family.
6: Tell us a little about Oh your yeah. Oh, yeah. My family's my pride and joy. First of all, my wife is Erin Dog, and she's actually a native of Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska. So I, right. I thank that part of the country for producing such a wonderful woman. Amen. She is my wife, and um, she is a college professor. She's completing her uh, Ph.D. degree right now in leadership. And I thank God for her, my number one fan, my greatest supporter, and the one who will always tell me the truth. And then I do have a, a number of children, a number of them. Uh, We've got <laughs> a four sons and we have one daughter and we are grateful for them. Uh, great examples ahead of me, that picture behind me has my father, we on the end. He's here with me now in Orlando and he really led the way um, in our family, in the ministry. He also told us, you're going to Oakwood. So I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my family. I still have a little life in these bones. I still love sports. Um, All right. My church bought an athletic center, actually. And we have NBA pros that come by there on a daily basis, et cetera. And there's an opportunity to witness to another class of people that we didn't have a chance to talk to before. So there's a lot of ministry left in me. And I thank God for my family and for where God has planted me in ministry right now
5: amen amen tell us before i let you go gotta ask you two more questions man what's your favorite song or hymn and what's your favorite text so that we get to know you a little bit a little bit better what's your favorite song and what's your favorite text simple
6: quick answer favorite hymn is there is a fountain filled with blood that's the gospel in one song gospel in one song i do have some favorite gospel songs and ccm songs but i'll stop with that there's a fountain filled with blood. And then then my favorite, what else? What else did you ask me? My text. favorite text, favorite text. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that yeah. he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Wow, That's my
5: wow, amen, amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, young people out there, boys and girls. Sit back, relax, fasten your seatbelt, get a glass of water, get you some orange juice, get you a little snack. uh, Because the next voice you will hear, uh, the one that you have been listening to uh, after we get a song of meditation from Stephen Manders and the Oakwood uh, Church Choir, the next voice you will hear will be that of a mentor to many of us in ministry. Uh, Many of us call him friend. Uh, many of us call him a colleague, but he's just a humble man of God. The next voice you will hear will be that of Dr. James R. Doggett, senior pastor of the Patmos Chapel Seventh-day Adventist Church. Hear ye the word of the Lord through God's man. <laughs>
6: bless god that song was amazing in fact i use the word heavenly let's bow our heads now for a word of prayer and ask god to speak to us in loud and clear tones father in heaven we thank you so much for the privilege that is ours to assemble via the blessing of technology on this day to celebrate your sabbath to listen to your word to share in a worship experience I do ask that you would be with us in a marked way. As I now open up the pages of your holy word to declare what you want us to know for this very hour, I pray that you would overshadow me with your spirit and give to me the kind of clarity that defies what is human, and the kind of power that comes directly from your throne. Speak to us now, touch our heads, give us knowledge, Touch our hearts, inspire us, and move us to live a transformed life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God for an opportunity to be with the Saints of the Central States Conference. One of my favorite people is your president, Elder Bernard. Roger Bernard is an inspiring leader. He's a transformational leader is what I would call him. And in fact, he is the man for these times to lead this conference because God has some special things he wants to accomplish. He sets up special leaders like Elder Bernard to give counsel to as God counsels him. And I trust that you're respecting him and that you are, in fact, following his lead as he follows God. Thank you so much for this invitation. And uh, Pastor Jay, thank you for that great introduction. I thank you so much. The essential story of my life is this, that God called me into ministry. He tells me what to do. Some people like you, Elder Josiah, said that I was fearless, for instance, in starting Madison Mission, but I don't see it that way. I'm much more afraid to tell God no. When he tells you that there is a vision he wants you to run with, I just won't tell him no. People can say no, well, they haven't seen what I've seen. They weren't in that prayer closet when God was talking directly to me. So I don't get mad at them that they don't understand or know. But I tell you what, I don't fear, man. I do respect my God and I will not tell him no. So we continue to labor in ministry. One thing I've learned during this season. One thing I've learned during this season is preaching online is a little bit different than preaching in per, in person. You're not going to get away with a lot of homiletical tricks, gymnastics, and being clever. You have to basically step up. You got to speak up. Then you got to shut up. In other words, get to it, because people have the uh, opportunity to click you off and turn somebody else on. They don't even have the pressure of having to figure out how to walk out of church if they don't like the sermon. They uh, just click it anonymously. They listen to something else. So I'm going to get right into the sermon um, on today. The theme that I was asked to uh, deal with is the theme of your camp meeting craving the heart of God. Craving the heart of God. I, I think this is a meaningful theme and I'm going to respect it today with a word that God gave to me. The title of today's message is The Sign. The Sign. I'd like to focus and give high definition clarity. Uh, to a major transformational theme of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the very heart of God that we're seeking to emulate, craving the heart of God. He, in fact, uh, did tell us what his heart really is. He signaled it early in his ministry, and he lived it out throughout the three and a half years of his messianic ministry. I want to do that today. I want to highlight that. High definition clarity, and I also want to expose a potential danger for the church in light of these times, these trying times. The passage for review today, or I should say passages, come from a segment of the scriptures, the Gospel of Matthew, the 23rd chapter all the way to the 25th chapter. I am, however, going to center on some verses found at the end of chapter 23 and the beginning of chapter 24. I will read them, beginning with verse 37 of Matthew 23. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing. You would not let me. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm getting ready to leave. And when I come back, you're going to see me in a different light. Now in chapter 24, beginning with verse three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when will these things be when is it that the temple will be destroyed and you're going to come back in power and great glory and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age in other words when is this good stuff going to happen where you take over verse four and jesus answered and said to them Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Uh, They'll betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Hang in there. The end is coming. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Consider now what's happening in this text. Let's give some context to the passage. The context is simply this, that Jesus is now beginning to do a post-game review, an assessment of his three-and-a-half-year ministry. He's at the very end, remember that chapter 23, 24, and 25 is followed by chapter 26, where Jesus begins to walk that path to Calvary and crucifixion comes. This is his chance now to look back on three and a half years of ministry. The messianic ministry of Jesus started uh, many years ago when he stood up in the temple and he decided that he would read what was to be the main agenda Of the kingdom while he walked this earth. Remember, he stood up in the temple according to Luke 4 and he took out the scriptures that he read from Isaiah 61. He declared, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here's what I'm about the Spirit of the Lord has appointed me, has called me, has laid a hand on me with this mission to preach to the poor. And not just to preach to the poor, but to preach the gospel to the poor. And he's called me to, to bring help to those who are in trouble. I'm supposed to help those who are blind to see. I'm supposed to do what I can to lift up those who are captives. I've got to help those who are are, are in slavery and who are oppressed to be set free so that there will be liberty. I am called to a social agenda that is more about relationship than it is about theological discussions. I'm called to be a working savior and a working Messiah who doesn't sit in rooms in the back of temples to talk about doctrine and to interpret texts. I'm called to lift up those who are down. I'm called to lay hands on those who aren't well. I'm called to reach into the midst of society and pull those who have been pushed down up to where they belong in the savior. I'm called to be a social savior who is involved in the work of social justice and lifting the oppressed. I'm called to a gospel that is social in nature and it is relational in approach. I am called to be about people who are in trouble, Jesus. made this clear throughout his ministry on one occasion. He said to somebody who was complaining about the kinds of people he was hanging out with, he said, hey, those who are well don't need a physician. Hey, let the well people hang out together. They can have their fellowship, but I've come like a doctor out into a sick room to touch those who are ill and help them to be made well. I am a working savior who talks more with his hands than he does with his mouth. Jesus rarely went and made speeches. He, he was not known as a great speech maker and a preacher. No, his evangelistic approach was hands-on. Jesus went where there were people who were looking for a better way of life and he would present it, that's why. In the heat of the day, he shows up at a well where there is a woman who has been cast down by society and he spends time right next to her, giving to her a sense of mission and telling her, I know what you're all about, but I also know what you can be if you give your life to the Lord. No longer will you be this thirsty woman who's found in bedrooms where she does not belong. But when I give you this gospel, You're gonna be lifted from where you used to be to where you're supposed to be. The gospel of Jesus was demonstrated out on the path of service, not in some back room debating theology. On one occasion when he was making a speech to his disciples teaching like rabbis did those students who wanted to learn. He was in the temple teaching when a woman was brought to him and thrown down at his feet. This was a woman who was wrapped up in a soiled sheet. She had been caught in the very act of adultery, dragged through the streets of the city, down the middle aisle where Jesus was delivering his sermon, dropped at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus immediately turned on those who considered themselves righteous, and he declared while writing down their sins, if you guys are without sin, then go ahead and throw stones at her." He was saying in so many words, I came for people like this, And you all ought to be joining me in this work instead of criticizing those who are not like you. Jesus was not a speech maker. Jesus was a hands-on deliverer. So this was the heart of the master. But now as he begins his assessment of the three and a half years of public ministry that are now coming to a close, the post-gay review. As he looks behind him at this journey he's been on with his disciples and this boxing match he was continually in with the organized church. Scribes and Pharisees and those who were the, the, the ones who mandated what righteousness looked like. Jesus begins to give his assessment. That's, that's chapter 23. And, and the picture he paints of the church is not a good one. He does not now assess society. He's not critiquing the community at large. He starts right with the church. Now, don't get mad at this. I'm glad he loves us enough to tell us when our breath doesn't smell good. He said, look, I've been here three and a half years in my assessment as to what religion has become. Remember now I told you when I started what it ought to be. I gave you what my heart was and I hope that you would follow my lead, but but you haven't. He then goes on to call those who are running the church, the the very workers in the church, the heart of the church. He begins to call them by a specific name some seven times, like he wants them to really get it. He says, hypocrites, hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? A, A hypocrite is essentially one who wears a mask because they have assumed a character. They are playing a role that has been ascribed or appointed to them. It's not who they are, it's they're trying to act like something else. So they have a mask on and now Jesus unmasked them seven times saying hypocrites, Fakers, you're not real. And then he begins to declare woes on the church. Woes. Woe. Woe simply means, in in Greek, it simply means I am aggrieved at what you are. Woe. It's a synergistic compounding woe. Each time he says it, he he raises his pitch and he gives it with a little more punch. He gets a little louder with it and, and he's shaking his head saying, whoa, after three and a half years of trying to pull you into a kind of religion that is not so, so full of condemnation, but is full of compassion, that is not so much intellectual, but is more relational, Look at who you are. Whoa. He goes on to talk about, he says, you guys, you guys are blind guides. You all all make up all these crazy rules and you put them on people, but you can't even carry them yourself blind guides you concentrate on crazy dumb stuff and you make up rules to justify yourself you even say dumb stuff like if you swear by the temple then you don't have to follow through with that pledge but if you swear by the gold of the temple then you've got to go ahead and follow through with that pledge jesus says that's just dumb You pay tithe on on mint and cumin and anise and these tiny little things. You're it, making sure you don't get that rule wrong. But but you pay no attention to the stuff that really matters. Stuff like like mercy. Yeah, stuff like faith. You, you, You don't pay attention to what matters most. In fact, what you care about is the outside of the vessel. You wear these phylacteries and wide-bordered gowns so people will know that you're religious and that you're a leader in religion, but you don't take care of the inside. You uh, I would never wear a stud in your ears or or a ring on your finger. However, inside of your whited sepulcher are dead men's bones. You do not understand the heart of of the gospel but indeed you are always trying to look good making pretense by praying long prayers and 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 you're constantly doing this you 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 strain at a net, but you swallow a camel you don't get it you try to find the best places to sit In public, you like the greetings when people call you rabbi and make you feel special. It is an outward form of religion, but your heart isn't right. You're making so many rules that when you travel the globe to find a convert who will buy into your culture, they end up being twice a child of the devil than you are yourself. He says, whoa, I'm done with it. Your house is left to you desolate. I'm out of here. I, for three and a half years, have tried to gather you like like a hen gathers her chicks. I wanted to put you under my wings in a protective place, but you would not let me. Your ceremonies have gotten crazy. You dress up the grave of of the prophet and the man of God, but, but, but while the prophet was listening, you did not only didn't listen to them but you then even killed them and then when you put them in the ground you do your pomp and circumstance ceremony and put a great big tombstone on. you are not about what i am about boy that's a hard word the assessment of the church in matthew 23 and verse 37 left him with this description your house is desolate He says, I'm out of here, but I am coming back, he said. Here's a word of hope. He said, it's not good right now, but I am coming back. And when I come back, I'm not coming like I did the first time. First time I came as a child, a little bitty baby, born in a poor family, into a poor family, raised on the wrong side of the tracks, this humble child. And I walked around without even a place to call home. When I come back, I'm coming in power and great glory. And you're going to say, wow, look at him. That time is coming. Now, that ends chapter 23. Bad assessment of what we ought not be about. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just say this to you now. That right now, we better go ahead and take inventory as to who we are. If we have some of the ways of the church described in Matthew 23, we better start working on it. I'm talking about a church that is full of policies and positions and has its rulers and takes control of people's lives with a thousand laws and laws to protect those laws and standards to protect those laws that protect those laws and doctrinal discussions and taking intellectual positions and and very, very often people are forgotten in the practice of religion, those who guard like it's sacred those rituals of old and and the methods of the past. Those who think that this is not even church right now because we're doing it online. Those who do not believe church is anything more than services that take place twice a week, Wednesday night prayer meeting and Sabbath service, and then you shut... The doors, and don't worry about getting dirty with those who are out there in the streets. Jesus said, "I'm not about that kind of religion. I, I'm not about an intellectual faith. I'm not about a hierarchical faith. I'm not about pro- protocols and policies and your your many rules. I'm about people. I'm about." people. It's a relational gospel that I've been trying to demonstrate as I walked the streets of town and and healed those who were were sick and lifted those who were down. That's what I was about. You didn't find me back there contemplating in solitude the things of the scroll. No, you found me out living the faith of my father, and I've called you to do it, but you wouldn't do it, and I'm leaving you now. Now, that would be a bad word, except for the fact there is chapter 24. Now, usually we go to chapter 24 and talk about the signs, plural, of the time. Signs, many of them. And we always look at what's happening in the world and we we, we peruse society and the world and what's happening out there to find how soon the coming of Jesus is. And we comfort ourselves by saying every time something happens, that's just one of the signs of the times. And while that might be true to a degree, I think we miss the point because we take Matthew 24 out of the framework of Matthew 23 and 25. In Matthew 24, remember we read it, the disciples say to Jesus, Jesus has made that bold statement, I'm out of here, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, it's going to be different. The disciples who always wanted to be part of the hierarchy of Jesus and wanted to be at his right hand and left, asking the question, when is this going to happen? When is what we see now going to be over? When is the temple going to be destroyed? When is stuff going to change? When are these things going to come And What is the sign? Notice that. Singular, not plural. What's the sign of your coming? I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. What is the sign? Not the signs. Now, we read all of Matthew 24, and we see things like there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. they are going to be pestilences. That means epidemics and pandemics and sickness and earthquakes and false Christ and all of that. But let me stop you now and remind you that these things have been happening since Bible days. Wars and rumors of wars are not new. Earthquakes are not new. A solar eclipses are not new. Lunar eclipses not new. We've had these things before. False Christ, not new. Not new. According to Matthew 24, we're told these things will keep happening and they're going to get worse. But every now and then there is that punctuation mark that comes into play where he says, but the end is not yet. They've asked, when is the end? What's the sign that you're about to come? And he reads off this list of things for them, but he keeps saying, but the end is not yet. This is the beginning of sorrows. You're gonna have to hang in there and endure. These are not the evidences that his coming is near. This is evidence that sin is fully ripe, And it's a bad world. And we want the Lord to come. But every earthquake, every pandemic, Every time something happens, that's not the sign. Jesus finally says in the 14th chapter, and here it is. They're asking, Lord, when are things going to be different? When, when, when? When are you coming to set up your kingdom? Here it is, Matthew 24:14. He says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then. Yes, then the end will come. That's it. That's the sign. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? Isn't the gospel being preached all over? I pass out tracts every week, and I invite people to come to the evangelistic meeting. Lord, what do you mean that the gospel will be preached to all the world as a witness, and then the end will come? Remember, there's a word in there, this gospel. What gospel is this gospel? It's not the gospel of Matthew 23. It's not the intellectual gospel where you debate what's the right day where you sit down and you argue about what you ought to eat or not eat. Oh, those things are in the word, but that's not the gospel. That's the way people who have received the gospel are supposed to live. Let me give this to you very quickly. Remember this if you forget everything else. All of the rules we find in the Bible are really for those who have been redeemed. They don't redeem us. The cross redeems us. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. Now when you are redeemed, you have access to a set of rules found in the scriptures that are designed for one purpose. Not to test how real you are. Not as a test of your loyalty. God says when people are in my family, I want them to live life at the highest level. The best way for them to do that and be comfortable and content and full of peace is to live life like this. Then he begins to lay out the rules for a high level of living. That's not to make us saved, but it is a gift from God to tell us how we can live life at the highest level. So we don't argue about those things, those who have been saved are more than willing to do whatever the Lord declares, but I declare to you right now that this gospel of the kingdom is the gospel that Jesus lived out. It is the relational gospel, not the intellectual gospel where concepts are shared and argued about. It is where people are delivered where the good news comes to the poor, that we've got a father who's rich in houses and in lands, and he's gonna take care of you. That those who are blind begin to see with the eye of faith. It is the gospel where we carry it to those who are in need and we deliver it more with our hands than we do with our mouth. We've got a mouthy gospel right now. We wanna debate and discuss But few people are comfortable hitting the streets. It is a social gospel that is not content with classes of people being held down, sitting by idly, doing nothing about it. It is a hit the streets gospel that requires that we become uncomfortable and not sit back praying for our personal blessings while there are other people who have their necks being stepped on. I can illustrate how it makes no sense to preach the gospel to people who, that intellectual gospel, to people who have a knee on their neck. People cannot consider the higher considerations of eternity if they can't get air. Their biggest need is for air. And once they have the basic needs of life, they can get into the intellectual arena, figuring out what's what and what decisions ought to be made. It's our job to get the knee of poverty off of the neck of the poor, to lift the knee off of those who are down because of the ills of society and fully ripe sin that has made its way into every corner of our world. It is our job to have a hands-on relational gospel. That's the gospel. How do I know it? Because he stood up in the temple. You read it in Luke the fourth chapter. And he read about what he was going to be doing, the Spirit of God on him to relieve those who are in oppression. But then in Matthew 25, remember, Matthew 24 is sandwiched in between to just remind you: Matthew 23, the church is too intellectual, too ceremonial. They're not, they're not relating, no relationship. That kind of religion can be lived out in a pristine building. Matthew 24, Jesus says. I told you I'm not about 23, but thank God, Matthew 24, the gospel will be preached. In other words, the church will get it right. The time will come when the church begins to preach this gospel, the one that Jesus talked about in Luke 4, that gospel. And when the church begins to get into that gospel, then the end will come. That's the What's the sign? That the church will finally get it right. Preach. The relational gospel, like Jesus did. Well, Matthew 25 clarifies it. What does it look like, this gospel? And I'm, I'm starting to descend down. What does that gospel look like? Well, Matthew 25, remember, this is essentially an unbroken speech. You find all of the red letters going through the 23rd chapter, the 24th, and then the 25th. In the 25th chapter, Jesus says this that his kingdom gospel. gospel that he's all about it's like it's like five wise and five foolish virgins you remember five of them did not have enough oil for their lamps. oil representing the holy ghost and five of them they all went to sleep that's what you do at night you slumber and you sleep they weren't wrong for sleeping what was wrong is five of them went to sleep unready no holy ghost five of them went to sleep with their lamps trimmed and burning and full of oil much of the holy ghost and so the ones with the Holy Ghost made it, the ones without did not. So the first thing is, the, the, the church must be a Matthew 25 church and be full of the Holy Ghost. Some people are scared of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> scared of it. Scared of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because when the Holy Ghost comes in, the Holy Ghost takes charge. The Holy Ghost does not come to co your agenda. You lose your control when the Spirit has control. He speaks to our minds and our hearts, and he says, I'm willing. In fact, the Bible says that anybody who asks for the Holy Ghost receives it. Anybody. you want it? Ask. Holy Spirit will come in. But many times we don't want it because the Holy Ghost will start rearranging your house, taking control of things. And we love control. I don't like to admit it, but we try to control everything. We, we're afraid of the kind of liberty that God gives. I preached a sermon recently, and I talked about all these rules. My dad, who was in ministry well over 40 years, he's now in his 80s, asked him uh, what he would do differently if he had to go into ministry again, if he was starting over. He said, I would not push so many rules. I would get people more in love with Jesus. And the things that the Bible says I would preach and teach and let people work out the other stuff themselves. Now, you fill in the list of those rules that we've made and have enforced on other people because we believed it was the best way for them to live, but we can't find a text for it. I'm going to leave you alone. We, we got to quit that. When the Holy Ghost comes, the Holy Ghost instructs. The Holy Ghost leads and guides. So the church that we want to be as a Holy Ghost-filled church that doesn't cling to control. Then the next parable that's given, I'm going somewhere and I'm ending. The next parable that's given is the parable of the talents. One person is given five and another two, another one. One person goes and hides their talent in the ground. The other people invest and use their talents. The one who hid their talent because they were ashamed and didn't think they had enough to give, afraid they'd lose what they had, Well, God said to them, depart from me, cast into utter darkness. So the church is going to have to be a church that finds a room, makes a way for everybody to use their talents for the master. Oh, that's kingdom. That's kingdom concept right there. Even, even, Watch this. Watch this. Even that young lady who just came in the church and still has a stud in her ear, And you can't find the text to tell her thou shalt take it out, but you sit her down and won't let her work. She can't even come in the kitchen and fix some food until she gets that thing out of her ear. I would suggest to you that there must be a place of service for everybody in the Matthew 25 church. Everybody can't preach. Everybody can't pray publicly. Some people can't even read, but everybody got at least one talent. So here's the second thing that the church that's going to get it done and in the coming of the Lord will be. It will first be a church full of the Holy Ghost, not trying to maintain control. Number two, it will be a church that takes full advantage and encourages everybody to use whatever talent they've got. And then here's here's the punchline. Here's the punchline. Jesus has now come full circle. He's uh, declared to begin his ministry. I'm here to be engaged in a social gospel. He's now doing his post-game review, and he's about to go to the cross. And as one of his last declarations before Calvary, he says this, remember y'all, the church, I'm looking to get the job done. And when he gets the job done, I'll come. But that church is going to have to be like the sheep I described in Matthew 25, where when there is a judgment scene, and there they are at the judgment bar of God, at the very end. When he divides the sheep from the goats to the goats to my left, lost sheep to my right, yes, well done. What is the dividing line? What is the ultimate question that clinches it? What's the clincher? What divides up God's true people and the way the church ought to be from those who are not? the actors that he described in the 23rd chapter, the hypocrites with the mask on, acting religious, but but no religion really in them. And what's the dividing line? What's the difference? Lord, are you gonna ask him a theological question? Are you? Are you? What? What is the question? What is the judge about to ask? Here's what he asked. He says, where were you when I was hungry? Did you feed me? Did, oh, did, this is not symbolic hunger. This means a person who has no food to eat and their stomach is growling. This denotes poverty at its worst. Starving in a land of plenty. Where were you? Did you give me food Where were you when I was thirsty? Did you give me anything to drink? When I was an immigrant in a strange land, when I was a stranger and my children uh, were being put in cages at the border, I was a stranger. Did you take me in? Did you take up my cause? Did you? Did you? When I was naked, did you give me clothes? When I was sick, did you even come to visit me? When when I was in prison, 33% of the prisoners are black in America, and we're only 13% of the population. Did you forget about me when I was in prison? This unjust system that has stepped on the necks of our people, Jesus says, what did you do about it? Did you get in a church and debate whether or not we ought to be getting involved in social protests? Did you get in groups to talk about how bad it is? Were you part of the, the the crowd that said that Christians need to only talk about the sweet by and by, and they don't need to worry about what's going on in the streets right now? Jesus says, "Were you engaged in a social gospel that puts dirt under your fingernails and makes you sweat? Where you're lifting up the oppressed? Where you're taking on the cause of those who are not being treated right? Where were you?" People would say, "Lord, if we if we if we knew you were hungry, we would have fed you." He said, "No." No, you wouldn't. He says, because the way you treated the least of these, my brothers, the poor, the hungry, the immigrants, the minorities, the way you treated them with no concern, walking right on by, staying in your pristine chapels, singing your pretty songs, looking out through stained glass windows. As long as you were doing that and did not help Those who are in the streets, you pass by the homeless. You lifted up your nose and looked down on those young ladies who are getting pregnant out of wedlock so that they can get a welfare check. You, You did nothing to help the people who were poor. Go to my left. You didn't do it for them. That means you didn't do it for me. And he sends them away. So here it is in a nutshell. And I conclude that indeed. If we are to crave the heart of God, then we must understand his heart. He was grieved in Matthew 23, because he said, you just don't get it. You're in the temple writing Mishnahs, 39 categories of how to keep the Sabbath, laws about how much you can swallow and how far you can walk and, and whether or not you can unwind some yarn. And if you're being a scribe, you can carry a pin. You made laws on top of laws and you couldn't keep those laws, let alone the people. You were about an intellectual fate that set you above everybody else. Your hands stayed clean and your pretty robes never got dirty. And all you did was talk about faith. You were whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. I don't like it and I'm out of here. Peace, but you'll see me again. I'm gonna come in power and great glory. And you're gonna look up and say, wow, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then in Matthew 24, he says, thank God that while the world gets worse and worse, finally, my church is gonna get it. They're gonna pick up on the heart of God and begin to carry the agenda of the Lord who came to deliver those who are captive and bound, to set free those who are in bondage, thank God the church will get it. And when the church gets it, they're going to look like Matthew 25, full of the Holy Ghost, everybody using their talents, whatever they were, and by all means reaching out To give what you've got to lift those who are down, feeding the hungry, visiting those in prison, taking in the strangers, giving clothes to the naked, visiting the, uh, thank you, Jesus, the church will get it. Good news. We're at a time right now where the church is in the middle of transformation. I believe that this is a disruption that happened and that we're not going back to what we used to be. No more sitting in clean buildings with the air conditioning blowing and thinking that our faith is strong. But we're now forced out of those pretty places into the streets where Jesus walked when he was on this earth. And when he left, he gave us the mandate. What I was doing, I want you to start doing it. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to reach out and bless those who are down because of the pressures of life. I want you to engage in a social gospel that helps those who are in need and then tells them like Jesus did, come follow me. And all of the rules will fall into place, but you're going to have to begin to do it like I did. And thank God you will. And when it happens, I'm coming. So I'm looking for that sign. And I believe we're just about there. I end with this story. There's a gentleman who life had been real hard on, very, very hard on it, to the extent that he now had lost his job, he had lost his family, and he literally had no food to eat. He found himself going from place to place to just find a safe and fairly warm area to sleep in every night. He found himself one day in front of a mcdonald's with a sign saying hard luck could use a meal or a job well people passed by and there was one christian who had heard a good sermon about being a blessing to others and spreading the gospel jesus asked us to preach the gospel to all the world so he said you know what i'm going to reach out to this gentleman and i'm going to i'm going to share my faith with him He began to talk to the young man. He said, if the Lord were to return today, um, come back for his children, would you be saved or lost? Man looked at him, his eyes kind of inquisitive, like, what is this conversation all about? Christian went on to say, listen, I've been impressed to share my faith with you today. And if you don't mind, I'd, I'd even like to pray with you. Man was still looking at him. See, he was in a a position in life where he was uncertain and unsure. He wasn't thinking about his ultimate destination, he was thinking about his next meal. A man then saw the discussion taking place and shook his head and walked up to the man who had the sign asking for food. And he said, sir, wait just one moment and I'm gonna go get you some food. But he went inside the Christian said, if you just bow your head, now I'm going to pray for you. What is your name? Then he closed his eyes and began to pray. The hungry man just looked at it. By the time the long prayer of the Christian was over, and he said, amen, they lifted up to see um, that the man who was inside had come out. He had on a shirt saying, God is dead. I am an atheist. That man handed the Big Mac, to the hungry man, and then he walked away. The Christian thought he would conclude his witnessing with a question. Now, to be a Christian, you only need to confess Jesus with your mouth. Would you like to confess Jesus with your mouth and be a Christian? The man looked at him and says, I don't really care about being a Christian. Right now, I'd rather be an atheist like that man, pointing to the one who gave him a Big Mac. Sometimes there's more religion in a Big Mac than in a religious tract. You can't get to the mind until you've gotten to the heart. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's time for Black Adventists, White Adventists, Hispanic Adventists, every Adventist to become socially active get out there and do what you can under the unction of the Holy Ghost and the power of God and make a change in the lives of people because it's time for us to be Matthew 25 Christians and then the end will come because that's the sign. It might be that you want to give your heart to the Lord and be a Matthew 25 Christian will be told by God to go to the right, everlasting life. You don't want to hear from him that you might have been right about some of the teachings, but your heart was wrong and far from it. On the screen right now, there is a number for you to text and simply register your desire to give your heart to God. It might be that you want to return to him. Perhaps you want to be baptized for the first time, maybe. You just desire prayer for the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that you can be the kind of Christian Jesus was. We impacted the world and turned it upside down in just three and a half years of public ministry, caring for those who are in need. If you crave the heart of God, then you must fall in love with people and invest your talents, all that you have, in lifting others so that they can see. Jesus. Just text that number, and there will be those who will follow up with you and pray with you, give you necessary instructions, and provide opportunities for you to be a Matthew 25 Christian. I hope you understood the message today. I pray that the Holy Ghost drives it home to your heart and that there is a transformation in the way we do this thing called religion. No more Matthew 23. All Matthew 25 from this day forward father i thank you for the opportunity to look into your word i thank you that the sign that you will return is that the church will get it right and begin to preach this gospel the very gospel that jesus lived when he walked this world i ask that you would give to us a made-up mind impart to us the holy ghost so that we have the strength and wisdom to proceed to make a difference in our homes, our neighborhoods, our cities, our churches, and ultimately a difference in this world. And when you come again, may we be part of your blood washed army, who you tell to go to the right and enter into life eternal in Jesus name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you on today.
1: Dr. Doggett, what a powerful word. Uh, I I have my Bible sitting right here with me man and I've been I've been running through these texts and uh, man I see uh, chapters 23 24 and 25 in a whole nother light. Um, Man and I want to be a Matthew 25 Christian what a powerful word it was meet and due season and man we are so blessed that you stopped by today to share with us man we we are we want in central states. We want to be a church full of the Holy Ghost. We want to be a church where we allow everyone to use their talents, and we want to be a church that looked like the sheep in Matthew 25. Man, what man, what a word! Uh, we uh, listen, everyone. Uh, I know that you were blessed today. You could just write in that chat section. Uh, you know, I was blessed. I was blessed. And then we want to remind you that if you are. If you want to to have someone pray with you, you want to uh, have some Bible studies, you want to accept the Lord as your Lord and Savior, you want to be baptized, we we have a a line that you can text us on, uh, 913-214-2281. That's a private line. You can text us and we will have someone get in, in touch with you. Uh, we have pastors all around the central states conference area if you are not in the central states conference we can connect you with pastors near you just text us 913-214-2281 and we will make sure that you receive the attention that you need Uh, what a wonderful day what a wonderful way to uh, conclude the preaching services of our virtual camp meeting, craving the heart of God. What a powerful, powerful word. Oh man, this this has been good everyone. Uh, We do look forward to a time when we can come back together, but hopefully when we come back together, it will be because we we have a different mindset and we're seeking to look like Matthew 25 Christians. Uh, Before we go to our final announcements, Uh, our ministers, the minister's wives, uh, some of the minister's wives uh, from the Central States Conference wanted to leave you with some encouraging words. And so we're gonna share that video with you right now.
7: Hi, church family. You know, the word unprecedented has been used many, many times in these last few months, you know, to describe all the things that are going on in our world. From a brand new pandemic to old racism, it's truly enough to stress our souls. So as we're nearing the end of our camp meeting, some of my MSA sisters and I, we wanted to leave you with a few passages of scripture and some songs in the hopes that The things that um, have uplifted us and have cheered our souls might do the same for you. We hope it's a blessing. I'm going to start off with a passage that is near and dear to my heart. and It's carried me through many, many dark days. It's found in Psalms 43, verse 5, and it says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him is the health of my countenance and my God. And when it came to choosing the song, it was really hard, just too many, but I wanted to leave you with two, one for your prayer closet and one for when you get out of it. The first is Donnie McClurkin's I'll Trust You, Lord. And the second is God's Got It by Jay Moss. Hi, my name is Quita Osborne from Berean Seventh-day Adventist Church in St. Louis, Missouri. My encouraging word comes from Jeremiah 33, verse three, where it says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Also, my song of encouragement right now is from FC Barnes and Company. The Lord will fix it. And I'm telling you, yes, he will. Dylan and Henry, and I attend Beacon Life in Kansas City, with Dr. Dion Henry Pastors. And my go-to text in times of anxiety comes from 1 Peter 5, verse 7, which reads, Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And I believe that God knows each of us by name, which leads me to my favorite song, which is from Tasha Cobbs, You Know My Name. God bless. My name is Jasmine Barnes and I serve as the First Lady of the Northside Seventh-day Adventist Church in St. Louis, Missouri. When I think of a verse that will bring me encouragement when I'm just feeling stressed out at home, I think of Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. And it reads, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, must be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. When I just need something to kind of fall out and raise my hand while I'm in my car, I listen to Psalm 42 by Tori Kelly. Hi everyone, my name is Karina Winter and my church family is in Boston Street and New Community in Denver, Colorado. A scripture that has encouraged me the most this year is Psalm 16, verse eight. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. A song that has motivated me the most this year so far is You Know My Name by Tasha Cobbs. Hello, this is Katrina Palmer. I bring you greetings from Calvary and Covenant Seventh-day Adventist churches in Davenport and Cedar Rapids out. A scripture that encourages me when I'm down is found in Isaiah 43 verse 2, which reads, When thou passeth through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. A song that I enjoy listening to when I'm down also is entitled, I can only imagine by mercy me. Hi, my name is Kelly Paris. Agape Multicultural is my home church. Psalm 91.5 states, I will not fear for the terror by night nor the arrow by day. This psalmist giving me comfort as well as I Smile by Kirk Franklin. Hi, my name is LaShawn McCarthy, and I attend the Denver Park Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church in Denver, Colorado. One of my favorite texts is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And it reads, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and have a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, wheresoever thou goest. One of my favorite songs recently has been God of Angel Armies by Donald Lawrence and the Tri-City Singers. This song has ministered to me and has encouraged me, and I hope it would do the same for you. God bless you. Stay encouraged. Hello, everyone. I'm Nordia from Kansas City, Missouri, at Linwood Boulevard, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And the scripture that has spoken the most to me in these difficult times has been Hebrews chapter 13 and verse eight. And it simply says that Jesus Christ is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the song that has spoken the most to me in these difficult times has been Jehovah Sabaoth, by D. Lawrence, also called God of Angel's Armies. God bless you. Hello, my name is Myshena Hackle, and my husband serves in St. Louis, Missouri at Agape Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'm gonna share with you today Hebrews 11.1, 1, and the song that encourages me is, How Great Thou Art." Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews is a reminder to me that our father wonderfully, wonderfully created us and he has so much in store for us. We were created with a purpose and a future. And if we have faith and love for ourselves and for all his children that he has created, uh, we will see and fulfill that promise in that future. Greetings from Iowa. Hi, my name is Carolyn Irvy, and my husband and I have the privilege of ministering to two churches, the Philadelphia SDA Church in Des Moines, Iowa, as well as the New Life Christian Ministries in Waterloo, Iowa. I wanna share a verse with you today that I find very encouraging. It's a promise from God, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God." I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And a song that I find uplifting, I go to it and I listen and I'm blessed, it's called Depending on You by Gene Moore. Hi, my name is Melody Fields, and I attend the Ebenezer Fellowship Seventh-day Adventist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And one of my favorite Bible texts is Joshua 1:9. And what I love about it is that I personalize it just for me. And it says, Have not I commanded, Melody shall be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither shall Melody be dismayed. For the Lord her God is with Melody wherever she goes. I also like um, to go to music as a way to comfort myself in times of need. And one of my favorite songs is Fred Hammond's song, more of you. And also a song by Todd Galpert called, Lord, you are good. Thank you so much for allowing us to share with you. As a companion piece to our encouragement challenge, we're going to be adding a pastor's wife's playlist to the Central States Conference app. You'll find it by clicking media. In the meantime, We pray that God's promises will strengthen you and sustain you as you go forward to be light and love in this dark world. God bless. Hi, church family. You know, the word unprecedented...
1: All right, all right. We want to thank our wives for giving us those words of encouragement. And uh, remember, they'll have a playlist on our Central States Conference app where you can find the songs. Uh, that they were sharing with you. Just a few announcements before we have our final word of prayer. Uh, We want to remind you of two activities, our last two activities that are taking place. Uh, First, we have our conference on race that will take place this afternoon at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, where we will uh, be discussing uh, some critical issues about race. Uh, And you can see the flyer that's on the screen right now and those that will be participating. uh, Again, Christian Josiah will be the person moderating and uh, we have a great lineup for you from professors to uh, judges. Uh, We're looking forward to uh, Mayor Lucas uh, being with us. Um, He's trying to work it out in his schedule to be with us. We're hoping that he could make it uh, with us but please make sure you tune back in on our platforms, YouTube or Facebook, and we will see that conference. We will have some of our pastors that will be participating as well. And then finally, on tomorrow, uh, we have our uh, interfaith prayer journey that will be taking place. Um, It will culminate tomorrow, June 21st, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You see the means by which you can join us uh, on YouTube and on Facebook at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Central, uh, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time via YouTube and Facebook. That's our international uh, interfaith prayer journey that will be taking place, culminating uh, from Minneapolis, Minnesota on tomorrow. I trust that you've been richly blessed as a result of our time together today. We're looking forward to seeing each one of you at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Let's bow our heads for a final word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're thankful for this opportunity to come together. We're thankful for this opportunity to have experienced your word in a very real way today, a very personable way. We are thankful for Dr. Doggett and how you used him today. And we are thankful for all of those who shared with us this week, all of the pastors who shared with us this week. I pray, Father, that all of their messages will will not have fallen on deaf ear. Now be with us as we separate for these few moments. Bring us back together at 4 o'clock p.m. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you later. God bless you.